There are different kinds of messes. You can see a mess uh, like over there, and Wh whose living room is this? Now, when we have guests coming over, then um, we want to impress our guests, and so we really go to the trouble and, and really clean the place up. In fact, when we have guests come over, we might even hire a housekeeper. Some of you, and you know who you are, clean up your house before you let the housekeeper come in. Then when we have extended family come over, then we might not do quite as much as when they have guests coming in, unless of course they're you guys and we just go crazy. So we get things all spruced up and they come in. Now there are some people that when they come over, whether we've cleaned up our place or not, that we're just comfortable with them. They can come, they can drop in, or we know they're coming over, and so we haven't gone to a bunch of trouble, and they just come. We feel comfortable with them. They're comfortable around us. Now we say, well, it's because they don't keep their house up. No, no, they can be meticulous in keeping their house clean, but there's something about some people that we are just comfortable around them. What is it? in somebody's life that allows me, that allows you to just be yourself and to be comfortable. We come here on a Sunday morning and we get all cleaned up. We um, wear good clothes or whatever we think is good clothes. We uh, get rid of body odor. I'm all for that. I think that's a great idea. We have a smile on our face, we shake hands, we hug, and everybody's this happy clap. It's just, it's good to be here. Do you ever think this? Maybe you don't put it in words, but I don't have a mess in my life, or if I do, I, I, I'm not going to let you see it. Because if I let you see my mess, really my mess you, you might not like me, and I want you to like me. And so, nothing to see here, move along, keep going. Has there ever been someone you knew whose life was such a mess that you were reluctant to get involved in their life? Has there ever been someone whose life was such a mess that not only were you reluctant, but you refused? You refused to get involved in their life. Has there ever been someone, their life is a mess, and God has communicated to you, I know their life is messy, but I want you to be involved in their life. What do you do? We're going to look at a couple of messy incidents today, and Jesus is involved in both of these messy incidents. He's kind of the instigator in one of them particularly, and that's this first one. 
Jesus' hometown was Nazareth. And he was in the synagogue, the Jewish church, there one day, and he was talking. And as he was talking and people were nodding and smiling and going along with what he said, he said something that rubbed them the wrong way. What he said was, Gentiles or non-Jews are loved by God just like Jews are loved by God. And so the people that have been smiling and nodding stopped instantly smiling and nodding. And they got up and they yelled and they shouted and they hustled Jesus out of the synagogue and they manhandled him through the streets to the edge of town where they were going to push him off the edge of the cliff because he said that non-Jews, Gentiles, are acceptable and loved by God. Now what Scripture tells us is that whenever they got Jesus to the edge of the cliff, and I would, I would love to see how he did this, but they stopped and he just walked right back through them. I would love to see an expression on their faces. And it doesn't say that he said anything, but he, 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 I don't think he said anything. He just walked right back through them where they intended to kill him. He left. And Jesus headed toward Capernaum. It's a fishing village that is 26 miles away. It is on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. Now, while Jesus is making his way there, and he is in no hurry, um, he meets people and he talks with them. He's a great listener. He heals people. He casts out demons. He does other miracles. And also along the way, in his route to Capernaum, and maybe even some after he was there, he recruits his 12 disciples. This picture is a picture of Peter's house. One might, in looking at this drawing of Peter's house, you might surmise that Peter was a rather successful fisherman. It is a 10-room house, three paved courtyards. It is right on the Sea of Galilee. Now, if we today find a house that's by a body of water, then somebody paid extra coinage to be there. Peter's house was there because of necessity. He fished. He had a very short commute. He fished on the Sea of Galilee, and that's why it was there. Not because he's hoity-toity and fancy, all that stuff, but he must have done well because he has a 10-room house. Jesus eventually winds up. Whenever Jesus is in the Galilee region, for those months he's there, Jesus stays at Peter's house. I want you to notice the construction of the roofs. In this picture, before we go to the next one, you can see some fish drying on the, the, the roofs there. Now, the roofs are flat. And they're not flat merely to keep out the weather, but they are there because it's practical. It's a living area, it's a, a working area, and that's why the roofs are flat. Now, we don't see any stairs on Peter's house, but a lot of the houses had stairs on the outside that led up to the roofs where they did stuff. Now, you did see in the first image of Peter's house, there were a couple of ladders. And so, the best archaeological evidence we have leads us to that being Peter's house. 
right there on the Sea of Galilee. As we get into our Matthew 2 text, we're going to see this messy situation. of Matthew, Mark 2, Mark 2, not Matthew, Mark chapter 2. Uh, the scriptures will be on the slide. I know some of you enjoy uh, turning there and going along with us in your Bible or in your electronic device. Mark chapter 2. You there, Steph? Got it? Okay. I, I see you got it. You did great. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And they gathered because Peter, or because Jesus was known for his teaching and his preaching and his healing. What are you known for? When people talk about you, either at work or at school or at a restaurant or somewhere, and, and your name comes up and people talk about you, what do they say about you? Those who know you best. What do they say about you? Here's a pleasant thought. When you die, how will you be remembered? Do you want to be thought of the way you think people think of you? When Jesus thinks of you, what does he know about you? And is Jesus pleased with what he knows about you? They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. So Jesus began preaching to them. I mean, that's why he came to earth. That was his task. That's what he and God had talked about before he came. And so he wanted people to know who God was. He wanted people to have their sins totally forgiven. Jesus never wavered from his purpose. He always focused on his priorities. What tops your priority list? What's at the top of your priority list? Not what you say is your priority list, but what, by what you do, by what you do, what really is at the top of your priority list? Where does Jesus fit in your list? Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd. Now, I'm guessing that when these five men started out earlier that day, they thought there might be a little difficulty, but it's not going to be really tough to get next to Jesus. But they just it wasn't working out. Have you ever been involved in someone's messy life? And as you were still involved in their messy, disastrous life, you found out, you know, this is more work than I thought. This is taking more time. This is costing me more. They're living in my head 
And when that happened, did you ponder as to whether or not you were going to keep going and helping that person? Am I willing to let God lead me into someone's disaster? And am I willing to keep going and serving them even when I really want to quit? Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. So at the most, that took 10 seconds to read through that. And a lot happened. First of all, they had to get the guy on the roof. How did they do that? If Peter's house actually had no stairs, up a ladder, hoisting him up there. And when they got up there, did, did they have to go home and get ropes? Or were they carrying him to begin with by holding on with their hands to the mats? So if you're going to bring him up and lower him down, did they have to go, go and get some ropes? Or did they happen to bring them, think ahead and bring them with them? When they get up on the roof and they start digging through the roof and removing the tiles, and it, it didn't happen instantly, and they have to work. Did they have any gloves? Did they need gloves? Did they have any tools to pry the tiles loose from the roof where they were, where they wanted to go through? No, they didn't. Just, yeah, they did destroy the roof. They boogered it up temporarily, but it, but it was tile, and they could fix it without that much difficulty. So it was okay. When all of a sudden it was perfectly fine. You see, these friends were determined. They had this friend of theirs that couldn't move. And they wanted Jesus to do a work in his life so that he could walk. We begin helping people because we want Jesus to do a work in their life. But do we continue? These men were determined to do what they could. And, and anytime we help people, Jesus is already there. He is already there helping that person that we're starting to help. Now, when these guys were removing the tiles, how long did it take for people to notice the dust falling down? Did, did they start coughing? Did they get upset whenever, <coughs> uh, we're listening to Jesus down here, you want, you want to knock it off? Did they get ticked off at the guys who were doing this? Whenever something fell from the roof and it hit maybe somebody in the head, not seriously, but kabonked them a little bit, do you think Jesus smiled? I think he did. What do you do when you're helping someone and like the people below were saying something smart-alecky to the people bringing, the four guys luring the friend out? What do you do when you're helping someone and people say, oh, it's kind of weird you're doing that or it'll never help, or how much does that cost you? Whenever somebody says something, and you hear voices, either they say it or you hear their voices, whether they say a thing, you, you hear their voices in their head. And when you hear these voices, do you let those voices determine what you do? Or do you go ahead and do what God has called you to do in the first place? And do you continue with what he has called you 
to do. When I screwed up my foot and my life became messy and I had a wound back on it for like three months and didn't get around much and um, people brought food, they sent cards, they called, they visited. I got to borrow a scooter. When I could walk, they walked slowly so I could keep up. I was not abandoned when things were messy for me. When things are messy for you, do you want people to abandon you? Do you want them to be determined that they are going to be with you to the end, no matter what? Jesus did not let the negatives of people stop him from doing what he knew his father wanted him to do. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. He's insulting God. He's speaking evil of him. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Verse 8, Terry. Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why, why are you thinking these things? So can you imagine you're thinking something Jesus says that led you something? Was Jesus looking for a fight? He was not. What Jesus always did was he always stood up for God. We don't have to look for a fight. But whenever there's stuff coming at us, because we're standing for Jesus, do we kind of back down or do we stand up? Whether a fight is going to come along or not. Jesus continues, which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man, Jesus referring to himself, has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. So, the curve that Jesus threw was that he was going to forgive the guy his sins rather than heal him. But when the, the religious leaders were thinking this, Jesus called them on it. And so to prove that he could speak and forgive sins, he then went ahead and said, I'm going to heal this man. Back in verse 5, Jesus said, when he saw their faith, he forgave. He said, the man, son, your sins are forgiven. Are you and I, as was Jesus, are we willing to get involved in someone else's life? Are we willing to stay involved in someone else's life? We come to decision time. Would you bow your head, please? Do you want help 
when your life is a disastrous mess? Do you want, when, when, when stuff is going wrong for you, do you want help? Let's go the other direction. Who needs you to be involved in their messy, disastrous life? Who is it? Or who needs you to continue to be involved? Or who needs you to ramp up your efforts to help them get through the mess that is their life? Now, for some of you, you have a name. For others of you, don't. I, that, that's between you and God. In a few moments, I'm going to ask you two questions, and it's going to, you have an opportunity to respond, and it's simply by raising your hand, letting you know ahead of time. So if at this point, every head bowed and every eye closed, this has to do with knowing something. If you know God wants you to help or continue helping someone, or if you know God wants you to ramp up your current efforts, or if God is leading you to take the necessary steps to begin to be involved, you know this, that God wants you. If you know this, that God wants you to help someone, would you right now raise your hand? Okay, thank you. May put your hand down. This one's tougher. If for those of you that God gave you a name, you know that he wants you to help, but knowing and doing are not the same. So if you know that God wants you to help, are you willing to get involved with that person? Would you raise your hand? This is doing, not just knowing. Thank you. Today, first of the week, not when it's convenient, but when God prompts you, when you see the open door, when you know this is what God wants me to do and he wants me to do it now, go ahead and do it. You and they will be blessed. If you have never made a commitment to follow Jesus, or if you've made a commitment but you've never had the opportunity to be immersed, as the Bible talks about, if you want to know your next step in growing closer to Jesus, if you want someone to pray with you when this service is over and you exit this room and you go into the lobby and you turn right, you will see our welcome center. And there will be a trained decision guide or guides there to meet with you. And you and they can go down the hallway and you can privately talk with them. If you're watching at home, and you would like to discuss something, if you would contact us with the email address or the phone number, we will get in touch with you. Father in heaven, thank you that Jesus wasn't lazy. 
that he was not a procrastinator, that he didn't put things off. He stood for you all the time, every time. And Father, you have called us to be involved in the lives of others for their benefit. Yes, of course, we'll be blessed when we do it, but but you've called us to be involved in the lives of others for their benefit. So God, would you break our heart with their situation? Would you show us their needs? May we open our hearts to them. May we not just talk. May we not just play church. May we in the world be the people you want us to be, touching lives in their messy, disastrous situations. Use us to make a difference, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.